child, you should head to Children's Church, and we've, we've had a policy change. If you are really immature, you need to stay here. <laughs> no more walking out. There's an age limit on Children's Church. <laughs> but try to be good during service. Um, let's, uh, let's pray in preparation for the message. Everybody who wasn't here on Easter is like, what is he talking about? Um, <laughs> Heavenly Father, uh, pray that you'd be with us this morning. Uh, pray that you'd help me to, to be faithful to your scriptures, to, to um, just unpack your word and to, to, show, uh, to show how you uh, want us to live and what you want us to be. I pray that you would uh, just give us your grace um, in doing this. And, and as folks hear from you today, I pray that, that um, they would hear from you, that it wouldn't be me, that it wouldn't be my preference or my cleverness or anything else, but it would be the that you, O Lord, are just, just in the words. Um, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, last weekend, after, like was Easter, y'all are vaguely aware Easter happened. Um, and, and my wife, uh, because she knew I was super stressed out all week, and for several weeks, she planned a vacation for relaxation. Um, and and uh, it was... It was it was like a Clark Griswold vacation in the end. Um, it was not, uh, it, it was relaxing, but in the weirdest way possible. Um, so we, we went down to a hot springs down in, uh, I don't even know, Fairmont, near Butte. Uh, and and we, we spent a day there with little kids. You know, it was, was definitely a decision. If you've ever tried to take little kids swimming, um, you know, it, 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 it was something. Um, and so we, we did that, and as we were driving home on Monday, we got about, I don't know, five miles away from Fairmont, I mean, just down the road, and it was snowing. I know it's shocking that it was snowing this time of year, and, and all of a sudden, the front end of the car made a noise, and I immediately turned the stereo up, but it was a noise louder than what the stereo could cover. And so that's, in Eric's world, that's the marker that it's time to repair it. And, and so we, we pulled off to the side and tried to figure out what it was and realized that, that whatever it was, it wasn't obvious. And, and so we, and it was snowing, and so I didn't want to figure it out that badly. We drove on to Butte. Have any of y'all been to Butte? Um, there, I'm pretty sure there's no welcome center in Butte. I, uh, <laughs> my, Michael told me the big tourist attraction for Butte is the largest ecological disaster site in the United States. Um, what? The Berkeley pit. Did I say it right? And, and, and it's a good analogy. Um, sorry, I, I don't mean to knock on Butte. Well, I do mean to knock on Butte. Because we were there and we were stuck, right? And have any of y'all ever been a long way from home and had the car break down? It is a, it is a less than fun experience. Um, we, we stopped at a restaurant and everybody is eating. And I am on the phone trying to figure out what's next, trying to find a repair shop, trying to figure out what we're going to do in the meantime. And I actually spent a little bit of time underneath the car in the parking lot figuring out what the problem was. Um, and and um, at that moment that we're sitting in the, in the booth in this restaurant waiting for the food to come and everything else, um, there's all these tensions you have to like balance when you've got like a family of people. Because if it was me by myself, especially like college era, Eric, I would have just slept in the car. You know, in the repair shop parking lot, 
and then, you know, I mean, or walked or whatever. I mean, it's not a big deal when you're by yourself, but suddenly you've got all these people you got to worry about. And so, like, like, the tension is we have to find a way to keep the kids comfortable and to make my wife happy and to do all of these things and keep entertained and be fed and everything while we're here, but also we have to leave, right? And I think that's actually number one on everybody who, like, visits Butte, number one on the list, like, leave quickly. Um, and so we're there, and we're, we're, we've got these two big worries, right? Get out of here and not be miserable, more miserable than we have to be while we're here, right? And, and so, like, there are all these things you have to do. You've got to find an auto repair shop, and you've got to figure out if you can afford to get the car fixed. You've got to figure out how many days it's going to take, and you've got to figure out, like, all of these things. Then you've got to figure out how to get around, and so I had to find a car rental. I had to find a hotel, and I had to find, like, all of these things. You've got all of this stuff, and... and I had people suggest, oh, well, if you're going to be here for a couple days, you could go to see the mining museum. Or nobody suggested we go see the pit. I, <laughs> um, I don't know why. Maybe if we had gone to the visitor center. Um, anyway, so, so we're there, and we got all of these things that we're trying to nail down. And it would be crazy to stay in Butte. Can I, can I get an amen? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense. First of all, it's Butte. Secondly... I don't live in Butte, right? I, all right. <laughs> I, I don't live in Butte. I have no intention of living in Butte. I have no plan to live in Butte. It wouldn't have made sense for me to figure out, well, I, I need to find a, ho- you know, like, forget a hotel, let's rent a house. I mean, that would be nuts, wouldn't it? You know, forget renting a car, let's buy one. We're here, right? You know, forget, forget all this stuff about going back to Big Sandy. Let's stay in Butte. Nobody does that, right? I mean, like, the objective is to go home as quickly as possible. And some of that tension played out. Like, we went to a hotel, and, the, you know, Jess goes in, and she's checking us in, and I'm sitting in the car with the kids, and the kids are tired, and they're cranky, and they want to go home, and they're fussing, and Abby's realized she's going to miss a day of school, and she's super upset about that, which is insane. Um, and, like, we are in this spot... And, and Jess comes out and she says, well, you know, we, we can get in, we, we, we have a room, we're checked in, but the pool isn't in service right now, so we can't swim. And the kids have a temper tantrum immediately, right? And not a little temper tantrum. And so we discussed whether or not we were going to drive around for an hour and look for another hotel. And this is a long introduction. I'm getting somewhere with this. And in the end, what we decided was, we're not staying here that long, right? We're getting out of Butte. We ain't staying. And, and the sooner we get out, the better. We're not settling down. We're not going to buy a house. We're not going to, like, live here. We are going to sleep here, and we're going to leave. Um, what does this have to do with anything? Well, we're in 1 Corinthians 15. This is a continuation of last week because I ran out of time, and I didn't finish. Um, but what Paul is talking about and what we talked about in depth last week was the resurrection, right? Like this idea that, that Jesus died on the cross, right, was nailed to a big piece of wood, hung there until he died, um, was buried, and then three days later he rose again. Like, he came back to life. And, and we're going to reread that passage here real quick just to kind of, like, like, put it into perspective because I'm breaking up a big chunk of text here. Um, but why it's important is, like, Paul's repeated message, like, after that initial passage is, guys, we don't live here. Like, you, you're going to live for a certain amount of time, right? Some of us longer than others. If you look at how I've lived for the first 40 years, i got another 10, you know, and a really good life insurance policy. If you look at how some other folks live, you know, they, they may live to be 90 or 100, but you know what? 
ain't going to live forever. Um, and Paul's point is, look, we talk about the resurrection, we live as though it's true, and we live as though it's true, like, and that affects how we live, right? Paul's message over and over again in his books, like his letters, is, you people don't live here. Don't act like you live here. Like, put in your time, and then you, you leave. And like, like in 1 Corinthians, he's saying, listen, there's going to be a physical resurrection. Everybody you have ever known, everybody you ever will know, everybody ever will come back and will be physically resurrected and will be in the flesh again because that's how we're designed to be. Um, and so as we jump into this text, um, just FYI, that's where we're at. The series so far, we've been talking about Jesus, the, 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 the significance of the death on the cross, the, the resurrection and all that. Um, Jewish folks, this is the first century and still today, actually, Jewish folks believe that there will be a physical resurrection. It was completely insane in the first century. Nobody bought it. Got it? No one believed in physical resurrection except Jewish people. And so, like, in the coming weeks, we'll see where that plays out in this church, because it's a big deal later. But, like, nobody believed in the resurrection because they believed that physical stuff was imperfect and that, like, when you leave this earth, you go to this perfect place out there somewhere, right? But that's not what the church teaches. That's not what the Jews taught. That's not what the scripture is. all about physical resurrection and the world being made right again. Um, and so, like, like, that's important as we work into this because it plays out. Uh, Paul's writing a letter. This letter is not about one particular topic. Paul planted the church in Corinth, and what he's doing is he is explaining, like, a bunch of questions. People have asked him questions. He's saying, hey... You know, about this question you asked, here's the answer. About this question you asked, here's the answer. And at this point in the book, it is, hey, there's a bunch of you guys are teaching that there'll be no physical resurrection. Stop it. Got it? Um, And so we're going to back up just a hair. This is uh, 15. You can follow along in your own Bible. I don't have, starting at verse 1 on the screen, I'm sorry, I I decided late to add this. Um, But he says, now, brothers, so this is the next question he's addressing. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Meaning, I told you this thing, you believed in it. If you believe in it and have lived for it, 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 you know, it better be true, right? Can we all agree on that? Like, if you need to pick a path to live by, it better be true. I, I always laugh at um, those ads from the 50s, because nobody knew anything in the 50s. It wasn't until my generation that everybody became smart. And then this generation's eating Tide Pods, so, like, it's all over. <laughs> like, I know y'all aren't actually doing it. It's the Internet. The Internet's stupid. Um, <laughs> for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, meaning that when Jesus was nailed to the cross... He was getting punished for the bad stuff you've done. Every wrong thing you've done, every wicked act, every everything, Jesus gets punished, we get forgiven. That's the deal. And it's a good deal, right? Like, it is generally a good deal when somebody else gets in trouble for your bad stuff. Um, that he was, or excuse me, that he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same place, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then, he, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. Um, what he's saying there, he's like, look, Jesus died. He was buried, and then he showed up and he spent time with all of these guys. So if you doubt that there's a resurrection, go ask Peter. 
If you doubt there's a resurrection, go ask James. If you doubt there's a resurrection, like, go ask the 500 guys that showed up and met him in this one place. Like, just go ask those guys if you doubt it. So Paul is all about, like, the, the, the evidence at this point. And, like, there's something else to add. Like, like, and I, real briefly, I'm trying to cover this stuff real quick. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being um, sort of paint, big paintbrush. Um, Paul swore it was true and had his cut, head cut off because he wouldn't take it back. Um, Peter swore it was true. Swore it was true as the, he watched like the Romans crucify his wife and then was crucified like swearing it was true. James was beaten to death with clubs um, and so forth. Like every one of these guys who he's talking about like basically died horribly saying, but I really saw Jesus raised from the dead. Right? Like this is something that happened. The resurrection is a real thing. We will all one day come back to life. This part of our lives is temporary. Guys, this is Butte. Got it? This is Butte. Only Big Sandy's nicer than Butte, but it's a nicer, like, it's still, guys, we don't live here, right? Part of what Paul is about to build up to is, we do not live here. You will live for 70, 80, 90, or if you're me, like 45 years, and then, like, you're going to pass on to the next thing. It's temporary. It's all temporary. And think about what comes next. Because if I had bought a car in Butte and I had bought a house in Butte, it would be a stupid thing to do. Right? I mean, beyond the fact that it's in Butte, I also don't live there. Um, I'm sure, like, somebody lives in Butte or has family in Butte, and I'm going to get in trouble later, and I apologize deep down. Who recommended a great restaurant, which was the highlight of being in Butte, and I'm pretty sure that... You know, it's like, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Butte? And Rose came from Butte, so here we are. Um, <laughs> that's a recovery right there. <laughs> now, that's me digging my way out. I've been married 20 years. I know how to dig out of a hole. Uh, <laughs> now, so 1 Corinthians 15, 12. I'm jumping over a couple of verses here. So Paul has said, listen, all of this stuff is true. And he says, listen, after that, there's three verses in there I skipped where Paul says, I have been homeless for years, because I travel around and I tell people about Jesus, like, dying for their sins and being resurrected. Like, I, I live as though this is true. I have been hungry. I've been homeless. I've been all of these things, like, and I have done this stuff going around telling people about this truth, because Paul's attitude was, I'm just visiting, right? I don't live here. I'm going somewhere else later. I don't live here. Butte is not my home, or this world is not my home is actually the way Paul would put it because Butte had not been founded yet. Um, now, so this is 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Meaning, if the core principle of what we teach is this world is temporary, like, and there'll be a resurrection in a setting right, like, what's up with people coming along and saying it's not going to happen? Right? Um, and for the early Jewish folks, like, this is a huge conflict, and it's an early, like, Christian conflict as well. The resurrection of the dead, like, how can you say it ain't true? Um, but if there is no re- resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So he says, listen, if we all won't be raised one day, then Jesus wasn't raised. Now, mind you, he's laying out this argument after saying... This, like, 500 guys and all of the apostles and then the 12 disciples and James and all of these other guys, they all saw it. And so, like, he was raised from the dead. And so there's a backward argument here. He's saying, listen, 
if no one is raised from the dead, if we don't come back to life at the end of time, like if there is no like end game, if eternity is not the goal, if we're staying in Butte and this is all there is, first off, the world is a crummy place. Secondly, um, then that means that all of this evidence is also tossed. Like, because Jesus shows up as the resurrected, this resurrected Christ, like as this man who's come back, and that is a sign of what our future is. Is God tipping his hand and saying, hey, here are the cards, guys. This is what happens next. And if, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And even, and excuse me, we are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So Paul says, listen. If Jesus didn't rise, like if there's no resurrection, if people are not resurrected, then I am traveling around lying about God. Now, I think the implied argument here is God is big and scary. I mean, that sounds about right, right? Like, like I, I used to live in this neighborhood in, uh, in, in Texas, uh, in San Antonio, it was before I, I met my wife. I was in junior high. It was before I became a Christian, actually. Um, and there was a couple of guys in the neighborhood that, that beat me up a few times. I know it's shocking, but I was not the coolest kid, and nor was I athletic, you know, nor was I like, particularly tough. Like, all of these things were not true about me. I, I learned all that stuff when I got married. Um, <laughs> that my wife laughed loudest. <laughs> Ow. Um, but those guys, those guys beat me up, you know, every once in a while it would happen. Like, it just, you know, I was, I was anyway. Um, one of the goals I discovered in life, like, as it came to dealing with those guys is, it was not a good idea to make them mad. Everybody with me? Because what happened when you, you make those guys mad? They'd catch me somewhere and I'd be sorry about it, right? Like, and, and it just was what it was. Like, Paul's argument here is, listen, if I'm out there lying about God, then I'm in a bad spot. This is a stupid thing for me to do, right? A really stupid thing for him to do. Um, it, it, misrepresenting God is, is a bad idea. Like, I mean, it, it, it's like making the biggest, toughest kid in the neighborhood angry. Um, and angry because you're lying about who God is. You're lying about how people can get to know him. It's why guys like Joel Osteen, and I'm going to just say him by name, or and he's my first pick-on guy. Somebody gave me grief about You always pick on him. There's so many people to pick on. Um, it's these guys, like like the guy who said, well, I need a jet stream golf or a, a jet plane that cost $100 million because that's what God wants me to have. Those are guys who are lying about God, and one day they're going to stand before him and they're going to answer for it. That's terrifying. I mean, think about how horrible that'll be. Like, Paul is saying, I, I'm in a bad spot if this isn't true because I'm telling you, I got all my eggs in this basket because I saw Jesus alive. I met other folks who saw him alive. Like, this is the truth. We will all come one, back one day. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you still are in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, excuse me, we are of all people most to be pitied. So now there's two arguments here. One of them is, watch this, um, Everybody who believes in Jesus, like, like who we've been preaching to, your neighbors, your brother, your, these guys who like, have believed in Christ, like if Jesus didn't really raise, like, you're still in your sin. Like you're not, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I'm not a good guy. 
Anybody who spends enough time around me will figure it out, like, because I'll tell you, I'm like a vegan, I'll tell you I'm wicked. Um, or, you know that joke, that wasn't that obscure, was it? Um, I, 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 I'll tell you, or you'll watch me and I'll do something dumb. Like, the reality is, if, if God doesn't put the ladder down for me to climb up, like, if he doesn't make it easy for me to get there, I ain't getting there. Like, I can't be right in front of God, like, on my own. I'm a bad guy. I'm, I just am. I wish I wasn't. I wish I was better, and I'm getting better in little bits and pieces. But the reality is, if God did not come off the mountain to us, we were not climbing up to him. Everybody with me? Like, you cannot get there on your own. You cannot earn heaven. You cannot be holy enough. You cannot be good enough. You cannot be nice enough. You can't feed enough orphans and widows. You can't throw enough money in the, in the coffers. You can't buy me enough hot tubs. You can't, like, none of that stuff's going to save you. None of it. The only thing that can save you is, like, God doing it for you. Um, the second half of that is, Paul is saying, listen, I am wasting my one chance if this isn't true. Right? So, like, what if the only thing you have is now? Then it does sort of make sense to live however you want, right? Because you can get whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, you can enjoy every moment of now, because then you blink out and you're gone. Or then you get punished by God in eternity because you haven't been forgiven, or then whatever. And in fact, actually, um, a little later in this argument, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, he says, um, and for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers. Just as surely as I glory over you in Christ our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Now, watch this. This is where this gets important. Um, Paul is setting a philosophy against the standard of the world, right? And that's actually, let us eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, is like a hedonist, uh, a Greek philosopher of the time. He's quoting a Greek fella. And what he's saying is, listen, if all there is is the here and now, then it does sort of make sense to do whatever, because there's nothing else, right? It does sort of make sense to spend a lot of time drunk and to, to steal from people and all this, because there's no consequences. Like, why not? And Paul's saying, but listen, I am living my life as though this is true. And you can choose to live one way or you can choose to live another, but you can't say, oh, I'm going to walk in the middle. And you can't follow one and think, oh, I'm on the other path. Like, that doesn't work that way. Like, you live in Butte or you don't. Everybody with me? Like, Butte is either where your house is or it isn't. Um, you don't get stuck in Butte and buy a house. You don't get stuck in Butte and set up shop and find a job if you don't live there. It's dumb. In this world, we are guests. We are passing through. We're sojourners. We're travelers. Like, this is not all there is. Um, and ultimately, what we're called to do as followers of Jesus, right, is to aim for forever. Um, is to aim to become who God made us to be. I don't feed poor people so that I do better in heaven. We feed poor people because by feeding poor people, I change who I am and I become more like Jesus. I don't pray because I get points in heaven. That's nonsense. Anybody who tells you you can earn points in heaven by doing good things or what have you, like, it's nonsense. The way we get there is by following Jesus. And the goal as we follow Jesus is to become like him, to become the kind of people who love folks no matter what, who lean on God when we're worried, right? The world starts falling apart. You don't have to be terrified because God's got this. Um, one of my favorite stories... Um, 
from World War II is about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian preacher, and he was German. And he, he spoke out against Hitler during a time when that got you killed. And it actually got him into a concentration camp, and it got him hung. Um, he, what's crazy about Bonhoeffer, too, is Bonhoeffer left. Like, and he came to the United States for a while. And then he went and lived in England. And then after a certain point, he's like, you know what? I have people I know who need a good minister in Germany. I'm going to go there, and what happens, happens. And he went back. Like, the guy went back and preached against Hitler in the middle of World War II. And he, like, ministered to people, like, like who nobody else is going to. Because he said, you know what? What's the point of being here if I'm not going to do the right thing, right? Like if I'm not going to really follow Jesus, if I'm not going to change, if I'm going to live in Butte, I'll live in Butte, but I don't live in Butte. And so if I die, I die. And actually, when Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hung in, in that concentration camp, he, he said, this is the end for me, but it's also only the beginning. And I totally butchered that quote, but it's the rough idea. Like, this is the end, but for me, it's just the beginning. I think that's what he said. Because he knew, he knew, he knew that it's not this world. It's not now. None of this stuff matters because I don't live here. doesn't matter if the guy in the room next to me in Butte liked me, right? didn't matter. You know why? Because I left. <laughs> didn't matter. None of that stuff matters because I don't live there. And I don't live here, folks. I don't. None of you live here. We're here for now, but we're going somewhere else. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, sorry, he's very repetitive, but that's the way that um, writing at the time worked. Um, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in... I just read that part, didn't I? I have a duplicate slide, how obnoxious. Um, <laughs> if only for this life we have hope... Uh, reading again, sorry, my slides are all screwed up. 20, so that was 19, here's 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. Meaning, like Adam sinned, sin came into the world, we all live in sin, we all die, the world is broken, it's not cool, people abuse each other, people mistreat each other, sin like infects everything, it's awful. Um, but Christ brought life, and he brought eternal life. And so, like, we live in the now, but we live in the now with an eye on the future, right? It's easy to say it's hard to do. It just is. Because you know what? Most of you all have to plant in the next couple of months in order to get everything nailed down for the year, right? Anybody worried about that? Yeah. Oh, really, nobody? Except for Big D, who doesn't even have a farm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Big D. Um, like, like, we have to balance here and there, right? I, I had to rent a car. I rented, rented a Suburban because they made me. Um, the rental company. It was their fault. Um, <laughs> but I, I wasn't going to drive it forever, and so I didn't really care what kind of car I got. I just needed a car. I still needed a car because I had to drive the kids around. Like, I had worries in the here and now, but I have worries in the future. We get up and go to work because we live here right now, but we don't live here forever. Got it? Um, we worry about the here and now, but we worry about forever. Part of that is a training thing, right? And watch this. What you bring into eternity with you is you and the people you bring with you. You all with me? Like, you will not bring your car. You will not bring your checking account. You will not bring your power. You will not bring your, like, everybody loves me because I'm the coolest guy in the world. I know, but, you know, I can't take it with me. Um, you will not bring any of that stuff into eternity with you. You will not. Um, 
what you will bring with you is how much you've grown to be like Jesus, right? Who you are, how your heart has changed, how your life has reformed, how you've grown, all of that stuff you will take with you, and you'll take with you the people that you have introduced to Jesus. What do we do with that in the here and now? Like, like this is a lot of big, heavy, in-the-head stuff. How does that play out? Well, for starters, for starters, we're designed to prepare for forever, Right? I had to find somebody to fix my stupid car, right? Like, you've got to fix your car or you can't leave. Everybody with me? And so that's the number one priority. How do you do that? Well, part of how you do it is, like, you get together with other folks and you worship together and you support each other and you encourage each other because that's how you grow spiritually. You all with me? Like, like that is a part of it. And that happens in a setting like this, like where we get together and we worship. But also, how many of you guys were in that parenting class that we did for the last, like, what, six months or something? Um, how many of you all grew because you were in it and you found God in new different ways and you, like, matured spiritually like it was a blessing to you? Like, not just because of the material, but also because of the other people. Anyone? At least a few. Well, no, I see just about everybody who was in the class with me. Um, like we grow because we get together and we learn together. And we spend time together. If you look at the early church, they didn't gather in a building like this. They would get together in people's houses and eat dinner together and talk about like Jesus and they'd sing and they, that's what they did. Like, and this is a model that is worth following. Most people I know are dying alone. Like, I, Jess always laughs at me. I meet people and I'll talk to them for five minutes and they'll tell me their whole life story. Um, one time we were stuck in a snowbank in Indiana on Christmas Day, and like some guy pulled up and was t- pulling us out of the snowbank, and I talked to him for about five minutes while we hooked up the car, and he pulled us out, and I got in, in and we're driving. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's so and so. He's on his way to see his wife and his daughter. They're divorced right now, but he's really worried because the power might be out. And he didn't want to get divorced, but she cheated on him, um, and you know, and on and on. And he really wishes he could win, win her back, and he's trying really hard, and he's so concerned about how his daughter is doing because it's between two homes, and on and on and on. And my wife's like, he just told you all of that stuff. He was pulling us out of a snowbank. What is that? But the reality is most people are dying for someone to talk to. Isn't it true? I am astonished. If I sit down and talk to someone for 15 minutes, usually they'll ask me a question about the Bible. They're like, you know something I've always wanted to know? This. Part of the thing that we're supposed to do as Christians, and Jesus said this, we talked about this last week at the 8 a.m. service, um, go, go therefore in all the world and create disciples, right? Disciples are people who hang out with more mature believers and grow up. Um, farmers in the room, how many of you guys learned to farm because somebody hung out with you every day and taught you how to farm? Probably your dad. Nobody? There. Just, just Mr. Edwards back there, Craig. Um, I'm sorry, was there another one? Bond Miller? I, <laughs> the, the reality is we learn to be Christians not by reading a book, not by attending a class. Those are good things, right? But a big chunk of how we learn to be Christians is by spending time with more mature Christians and learning. Show of hands real quick. How many of you guys in the last five years have spent time with a more mature Christian and have grown because of it? Look around you. See all those hands? A more mature Christian. Or even a less mature Christian, sure. I mean, it's, <laughs> I learned that last week uh, when I announced Children's Church. Um, <laughs> you want to grow spiritually? You want to be something better? You want to, like, get the car fixed so you can get out of Butte? A huge chunk of that is getting together with other believers. 
Bible studies in small groups, right? We're going to be starting some new Bible studies in small groups in the coming months. I'm, we're working on the nuts and bolts of that. The other part of that is discipleship. It is getting together with one or two other people who help you grow. And we're going to be doing that in the coming months. Um, I've talked to a handful of people to, like, about doing that in the coming weeks. Um, if God is speaking to your heart and you feel like you need to grow spiritually, come and talk to me and I'll pull you into that circle of people, Right? It is a big deal that we do discipleship. It is a big deal that we train with other people. It is a big deal that we spend time talking to each other. Not just because it helps us get out of Butte, but that's a big one, but also because it helps the other guy get out of Butte. I got a couple guys I get together with who ask me the hardest questions like I ever encounter. And at times they force me to look at my own life and say, what am I doing? I got a believer I'm talking to right now who... Like, he tells me things about where he's at spiritually, and it makes me feel challenged, like I have to do better. Isn't that weird? Any of you all ever sharpen a knife? You usually do it by rubbing the knife against something else hard, right? The reality is that believers grow, people become better, we become like Jesus by spending time with each other and challenging each other. Um, I love reading the scripture. I, I study the Bible for a living. This is, <laughs> like, the best thing in the world. Um... In, in my experience, but like when I spend time with other people and I discuss that and I apply it, when I teach here, I grow, man. Like it's fantastic. Um, Christianity was not designed to be done alone. In fact, actually, like Jesus, when he sent out the first group of disciples, he sent them out in pairs because we're not supposed to do it alone. We're not supposed to be anonymous. We're not supposed to have people outside of our lives. We're supposed to be connected to each other. And it's like one of the best things that you can experience. Um, Particularly since the guy next to you is probably lonely. Or the guy next to you is probably dying inside and wishing he could talk to it, like the people around them. Like, Like you would be amazed at what people will tell you if you just give them an opportunity in a forum. Um, And our job as believers is to draw people to Jesus by doing that. Um, The two big goals here um, are that. The third way I want to talk about resurrection living, and then I will be done. I know I'm a little long, but we're actually, I started late, so it's not entirely my fault. It's Larry's fault. Um, (laughs) uh, He's not here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I can blame him. Um, (laughs) Last thing. um, Serving other people is a part of how we prepare, right? Um, the best experience I had growing spiritually. Actually, I was talking to a couple of folks this week, and we were all talking about how we grew spiritually. One person said, well, in discipleship and like study and prayer. One person said in group studies. And I said, you know, when I worked at the children's home, I had a guy punch me in the face once. Like, not once. Actually, it happened a lot. And I, I know everybody feels jealous right now. Um, but, but it was this kid I, I'd been talking to for, for years and trying to like make friends with him and trying to establish a relationship. I'd made all this progress. And one day he got mad and he was trying to fight with a staff person. I stepped in the middle and he took a swing right as I stepped and he punched me square in the face. Right? And like as soon as that happened, about ten guys jumped into this fray and I'm like, it was not expected. Did you all ever get like where something happens and you're like, what did, what was that? And I, I literally, one moment I'm stepping in the middle and the next moment I'm like three feet away from where I was standing and I'm what the, why does my face hurt? You know, I had to think about it. Oh my gosh, I just got punched. I had to watch the video. Um, <clears throat> but I went back to that guy. I went for a walk. I spent a little time praying. I went back to that guy. I sat down with him. I said, you know what? I love you. 
you, you're important to me. I pray for you every morning. I go out of my way to visit with you. I, I loaned him like 10 Johnny Cash CDs. I don't think I ever got them back. Um, I, I spent all this time with him. I said, you know, you punched me in the face a little while ago. And he's like, oh my gosh, Eric, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hit you. I was trying to hit him. And I, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And he went on and on. I was like, stop, 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 stop. It's all right. I love you. And I'm going to pray for you even longer tomorrow morning. I prayed for you for 30 minutes at 4 o'clock this morning. I had got it in my head. I would get up super early and pray for that guy. And I hate getting up early. And I said, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to pray for you longer. And that is what I'm going to do because I love you. And it doesn't matter. And he looked at me. He thought, oh, you know, didn't say Actually, he didn't say anything else. He, he, he sat there quietly and I left. And a few days later, I ran into him again, like, at Bible study I was running, and he came. It was the first time in five years he'd ever come to Bible study. Like, I am not good at being nice to people. Ask my wife. She will tell you. It is not a natural thing in my world. I am not always a nice guy. Um, but learning to love that kid after he punched me was a huge moment. I grew spiritually so much from that. It was, like, it was amazing. Um, Serving is a part of how we grow. How do we serve? Well, anybody here have a child? Anybody here dislike spending time with other people's children? <laughs> Michael. Um, we have a nursery and we have a children's church, right? Like, people have to be involved in that or it doesn't happen. Um, Mark doesn't get to sit in church if he's got to deal with his child, right? Samantha doesn't get to sit in church if nobody deals with Mark. Um, <laughs> Um, but the reality is that ministering to each other through things like watching kids or teaching kids or making coffee early in the morning or just hanging out in the doorway and greeting folks as they walk in the door or, you know, whatever it is you do, like, like that is a part of how we grow closer to God. Um, Michael told me this many times, actually, and I'm going to put you on the spot because I love putting you on the spot, that working at the home is one of the biggest spiritual growing experiences. That and working in college, serving college kids, Right. Like, because service is a part of how we grow. Work is a part of how we grow. What we believe applied turns into maturity, right? You've got to have head knowledge. You've got to have relationships. And you've got to serve. These are the three focuses for the coming year, guys. This was my realization this week. This is what you're going to hear out of me over and over again. If you don't like it, let me know and we'll talk about it. But, like, this is what we're going to talk about. We need to be in groups together. We need to individually spend time with each other to grow spiritually. You want to be a mature Christian, find somebody who is more mature than you and spend time with them. If you want to be one of those people, come talk to me. Um, it, it, that's how you grow. Like, we will learn how to study better. We'll learn how to spend time with each other. We'll figure out the way to do this. And we'll make it as, like, comprehensive as possible. We have to do these things. We have to serve. We have to, like, all of this stuff is growth. That is all I wanted to talk about with you guys today. Uh, we're going to close in prayer, and I'll let you be. Yes, missions like Teal and Adam. Thank you for reminding me. I completely forgot that. I really appreciate it. Um, Teal and Adam, this is a good Sunday for this because we go out and we serve people, right? And we go out and tell people about Jesus and we model what Jesus looks like. That's a part of how we grow spiritually. You want to grow spiritually, go and serve someone on a short-term mission trip. Talk to John, is the head of that committee, and they are constantly looking for folks to be involved in it. You want to grow spiritually, do a mission trip. Like, anywhere. Go to the soup kitchen in Great Falls and feed people. <laughs> go, I mean, do it. That is how we grow. grow. Thank you so much, Susie. You are wonderful. I, I really love you. Thank you.
We will close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would be with the folks who are here. I pray that we would come to know Jesus more and more every day, Lord. Help us to become... phone just ran out of batteries. Nope. Um, maybe not. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just just be with us in this coming week. Um, I pray that folks who are here where the Spirit was moving in their hearts and they felt really challenged or encouraged or like, oh my gosh, I need to do something different, I pray that you would nudge them to come talk to me. Lord God, I pray that you would be with this church and help us to serve people, help us to love people, help us to be something completely different than what the world expects out of us. In Jesus' name, amen.